0: Welcome to Advantage. I'm your host, David Young, and today we're gonna take a trip into the real world. If you listen to Advantage, you know that we talk educational leadership here a lot, and often we try to provide tips as lessons directly for school principals. I'm really excited about today's episode because we have two current principals as our guests today. One who's finishing her first year as a principal and one who's been serving as principal for three years. I can't wait to hear some of the tips and lessons that they're gonna share with us. Before we get there though, I wanna point out a few trends that seem to be emerging right now in education. At some point soon on the podcast, I wanna dig into these, but for today, they're just sorta on my heart and on my mind, so I'd like to throw them out there for you to think about. The first one is the dichotomy between competition and collaboration. Those two things exist, in pretty much every social or business environment, and I think productive environments know how to have those two things live in harmony. There's always a little healthy competition between schools and between school districts. The key is that it remains healthy competition. On last week's episode, I talked with Superintendent Jason Boer about leading with competitiveness. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out. We're gonna talk about competition a little bit today as well. Now the opposite side of the coin is collaboration. Back to competition, competition is good because it can keep us on our toes and make us go above and beyond for our kids. But no matter how you look at it, we're better together. That's where the need for collaboration comes in. What I mean is a lot of people working together, sharing ideas and resources and solving problems that benefit kids is better than any of us doing it by ourselves. Collaboration among schools and districts can have a huge positive impact, whether it's just across the board, idea sharing and problem solving, or if it's looking for strategic ways to partner to bring services and experiences to students that we just couldn't provide alone. As educational leaders, how do we get the benefits of competition and collaboration at the same time? Again, we're gonna touch on that today, but stay tuned for more on that in the future. The second trend I'm noticing and I want to talk about today is the tendency that we have to lose our balance. You know, the key to just about everything healthy and successful is finding the right balance. Think about your diet, your emotional health, your time spent at work versus time spent with your family, how you save and spend your money, you get the picture. As human beings, it is our nature to lose balance. We tend to go too far to one side or the other. And now it seems like society kind of encourages everyone to go to extremes, so that makes it even harder. Well, in education, whether it's a pedagogical approach, a leadership style, a curriculum decision, a safety plan, or the financial health of your school, district, or organization, balance is really important there, too. I think we're having a hard time not just keeping the balance, but even seeing what a balanced approach looks like. So think about your organization and the way you go about living your mission and getting things done. Where is it balanced, and where could it use a little more balance? Let's put a pin in that for now, but we'll be coming back to that topic over the next few weeks as well. Now, let's get to our guests. I am extremely excited to have them today. Our first guest is Principal Leslie Lawson of Camp Dick Robinson Elementary School in Garrett County. Now, we have some listeners who aren't from Kentucky. Last I checked, we have about 15 different states uh, where people listen to us. So if you aren't from Kentucky and you want to look up Camp Dick Robinson in Garrett County, Kentucky, I need to tell you, Garrett isn't spelled like it sounds. I don't know exactly how I think it should be spelled because I've always been here and I, I spell it the way it's spelled. But it is spelled G A R R A R D which looks like Garrard, um, but it's pronounced Garrett. And on a similar note, the county seat is, Lang- is spelled like Lancaster, but it's pronounced Lancaster. And uh, we all have our own uh, little regional things like that. So I want to point that out in case you look up Garrett County. Now, Leslie Lawson has been a principal for three years now and she is doing some great things in her school. I've gotten to know her through some training that she's participated in, in my cooperative, CKEC, and my wife, Holly, is the director of elementary teaching and learning in Garrett County, and so we've gotten to know each other through Holly as well. So Leslie, thanks for joining me today.
1: I'm excited to be here, thanks for having me. Yep.
0: My second guest is Principal Kia Lamb. Kia is principal at Paint Lick Elementary, which is also in Garrett County. Now, Kia is in a little different place in her career. She is finishing her first year as principal, and I think we all remember finishing our first year as principal. Uh, Some of us do. Sometimes it was a blur, and we can't remember what happened that first year. But Kia has done a fabulous job in her first year. I'm really looking forward to hearing her perspective uh, about what it's like to be a principal nearly one year into the work. Kia and I have also gotten to know each other through training, training, uh, through some visits that I've done to Garrett County Schools and also through her work with my wife Holly. So Kia, thank you as well for joining me today on the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So I've given our listeners a little, fee- or a little bit of background on both of you all. So would you mind uh, each one of you to, to fill in a few blanks to give us a little bit more uh, background? Uh, could be personal or professional, a little bit about your journey in education, uh, etc. Leslie, maybe we'll start with you.
1: So this is my 23rd year in education um, I've been at the elementary level all of my years um, and I became an administrator later in life um, I spent most of my career in the classroom and in the library media role um, and then I went on to become, uh, went back to school to become an assistant principal at Kent Dick Robinson Elementary and so I was there for three years and then now I'm currently serving as the principal, and I have been in this role for three years. So, I've been at the same school for the last 13 years and have been able to serve as the library media specialist, as the assistant principal, and as the principal. So
0: Well, that's really good. I, yeah. there's, some, there's a lot of benefit. There's some benefit to coming in brand new with a fresh set of eyes when you become principal, yes. but there's also a lot of benefit to having been there. You know Absolutely. you know the kids you know their families you know a lot of your colleagues uh now there's the challenge of going from being a colleague to being the boss uh and so you know you kind of have to handle that I'm, i know you've handled that really well uh, but uh, that
1: library media specialist role has really allowed me to be a part of the whole school yep, and to learn about all grade levels and to build relationships with all people in the building. So that was really a good step before moving into the assistant principal role. So I did a lot with assemblies and just a lot of PBIS things. So, um, you know, part of
2: the whole school.
0: Yeah, so, good deal. Yeah. Kia, tell us a little more about yourself.
2: Um, so this is my 14th year in education. Um, I am uh, born and raised in Garrett County, so graduated from this school system. Um, I have worked in Garrett County schools for 12 of my 14 years. Okay. Um, I actually got my start at Science Hill Independent cool. um, School in Pulaski County, and then. Um, I actually taught at our middle school, Garrett Middle School. Um, so I taught math there um, for several years before becoming the assistant principal at Garrett Middle. So um, most of my actual educational experience is in a middle school setting. So that puts me in a little bit different spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in January of last year, I transitioned to the principal of Pinklick Elementary. Um, so I am now um, in a spot where I've taken on a, a different feel um, moving from the middle school to the elementary and learned a lot, getting to experience what it's like to be the principal of your child's school because oh, I have yeah. two, two of my own children enrolled, um, which adds a whole other level of fun it to it. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a great journey um, and Garrett County's my home and, and I'm just blessed that they've kind of embraced me as part of the school system here.
0: So. Well, good deal. So, what was it like going from being an assistant principal, it sounds like you taught in middle school and then you were an assistant principal in middle school. Yes. And we love middle school. Yes. But middle school's a different world. It is. Uh, When you talk to people who teach middle school, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't, most of the time, they wouldn't do anything else. Uh, But then other people say, gosh, I don't know how you all do it, you know, Mm -hmm. there. So, what was it like transitioning from middle school to elementary school?
2: So, you know, I was one of those people that never could have saw myself doing anything other than middle school. I I was one of the, the people who thought this is where it's at, and I loved every minute. I loved teaching the kids there. Um, I loved being the assistant principal there. People would tell me all the time, like, I don't know how you do middle school. And I'm like, it's fun. It's an adventure every day, um, and it taught me so much that I don't think – that you can, it's the kind of experience that I don't think you can get anywhere else because you see such a wide range of things. You have children in that building who are almost like an elementary school with those brand new sixth graders, yep. all the way up to your eighth graders who it's like having high schoolers um, in the building. So you try to marry all of that into one school. Um, so the amount of lessons and things that it gave me, when perspectives that it gave me, has just been invaluable. Um, the position at Paintlick opened up and it was just a perfect fit for me and for my family family um, and it it's been a wonderful transition and I have fallen in love with elementary and um, with the teachers with the school the culture of it um, but it definitely it was a big transition um, but I think both you know have, have given me different perspectives but I think that middle school prepared me in ways that I don't know that that I would have been prepared had I only had that elementary experience if that makes sense yeah
0: it does and That and that it helps too. You're in elementary school. You kind of know what they need to yes. know and what they need to be like. Mm-hmm. You know what the, the things that you need to do to shape them to go to middle school. And that's a true thing too. About uh, sixth graders are a lot like elementary school kids, and eighth graders, a lot of them, are a lot like high school kids. So they really do change a lot in those three years, don't they? They do. They yeah. do. Leslie, how about going from so you you spoke to library media specialist and how yes. that kind of prepared you. But then you became the assistant principal, and how many years were you assistant principal? Three years. So three mm-hmm. years as assistant, and now three years as principal. So what was the transition from assistant principal to principal like in the school that you've been in for a big part of your career?
1: So the the biggest part was probably just the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea of all of the little things that the principal does, you know, behind the scenes. Um, but I'm just so blessed to be at Camp Dick Robinson. I, just, I love it. Uh, it's such a family-oriented environment and so I went from like the bike from doing a lot of the testing um, and a lot of the I Ready and things like that and, and stepped into this role where I get to continue to do that but um, it's just like at a larger level so I get to um, you know do all the hiring and be in the classroom so I just um, stepping into the principal role has just been even better so it's been a great experience
0: good deal well so i have some questions to ask you all to kind of guide our conversation today and some of them will probably be quick hitters and others we may dig into uh, a little bit more so as you all know now we don't exclusively have principals that listen to our podcast we have administrators at all levels we have uh, district administrators and I think we have some folks from outside education who are just interested in education or we talk a lot about leadership and leadership kind of permeates a lot of different fields but having said that we do have a lot of principals who listen so my first question is what's your favorite thing about being a principal
2: gosh um so for me I think being a principal is just you get to see it all And I think, you know, you get to see, for me, I get to see the preschool, you know, classroom, and then I can transition and see a fifth grade classroom. Um, I love the kids. Mm -hmm. Like, the kids, especially at the elementary school, like, treat you like you're the rock star. And so (laughs) um, I just, I, I love the kids. I love the hugs. But I also really love getting to see everything that is going on in the classrooms. And I have told so many people that... If I was to go back into the classroom now, I would be such a better teacher because of all of the things that I have learned from so many wonderful educators who I get the fortunate you know benefit of going into their classrooms and observing them or doing walkthroughs with them and so for me it's just seeing all of the different creative ways that teachers are doing things in their classrooms so I think it would have to be I couldn't probably pick one but both of those things for me have been my favorite part of being the principal yeah I like that Mm
1: -hmm. how about you Liz Um, another just kind of piggybacking off of you is um creating relationships Mm -hmm. I think that's my favorite part is creating the relationships with the students and with their families and with teachers Um, I love learning about the individual strengths of kids getting to know their names and things that are special about them um, and just creating that community Um, Camp Dick Robinson the culture and just being a part of all that has just been a really special experience
0: yeah, you know, you have kids. Uh, you know, particularly in elementary school, you have them for longer in that one building than you do at any other level. I mean, some of them come in preschool and don't leave you until fifth grade, and so you really get to know them well, and they get to know you well. It's it's it does become uh, it's crucial to have a family like atmosphere because you really are around each other like family. Uh, for a long period of time, so.
1: And then we have their siblings. and you then, you know, Their extended families, so you get to to learn all about their families.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Um, so as you've as you've been a principal, what are some of the leadership lessons that you have learned? So Kia's been doing this going on a year. Leslie's been doing this going on three years. Are there any uh, things that that you just were were uh, kind of touch points in your career where you're like, gosh, there's, I remember learning that lesson. Um, and you know, as practical, we can be as practical as we want because we really, there are other people listening that are doing the same things that you all are doing. So anything that jumps to your mind when I ask about leadership lessons that you've learned?
1: One thing that I think I've really learned to value is feedback, Mm -hmm. um, from all stakeholders and um, like we have established a leadership team we had talked about that um, in one of the ckec courses that we did yep. um, but we've established a leadership team with our teachers and we also have a student leadership team and so i feel like that we get some really good feedback from that group and we're allowed to kind of all put our heads together and come up with new ideas um, share what's going really well and things that we want to improve upon so Uh, Just valuing that feedback has probably been a good lesson for me. It's
0: great.
2: And, you know, this kind of goes along with what Leslie was saying. For me, it is that, you know, even as the principal, you're the person in charge. Everybody's looking to you for the answers. But it's okay if you're the principal and you don't have all of the answers. And it's okay for you to rely on the experts within your building. That has been so powerful for me. Um, I have so many great people at PaintLick. And, Mm -hmm. like, they are wonderful at different things and they have so many strengths. And for me, stepping into the principal role, it was that it's okay to not have all of the answers or for that to be your strengths. You just have to know how to utilize the strengths of the people around you. And so for me that's probably been one of the biggest lessons is just seeking those people out and like Leslie, figuring out a way to put them on a leadership team or to capitalize on what they can bring, you know, to you to or to the school. Um it's that's probably been like the biggest lesson for me because when you're a teacher you're kind of you're in your own little world in your own little classroom Um, but when you when you're a principal and you step out and you have the perspective to kind of see for everybody you really do I think for me the one of the biggest the reason we've had a lot of success is is capitalizing on those strengths within my building um, and letting those people kind of take their leadership roles and run with them
0: yeah I think that's great and those two things really do go together And I'll tell you, the most motivating, and we've talked about this on a previous episode, the most motivating thing that you can do with your staff is for them to truly believe that we control our destiny. We can be great uh, based on solely the talent that exists within our building. If we want to be innovative, we've got people here that can be innovative in any area that we need them to be or they're smart enough that they can develop expertise in an area if we need them to. We have have talent uh, across our building, different types of talents, and we really have everything we need right here. Uh, And then if we have to go outside and get a resource, we can do that. But we really have it, that's a really motivating, uh, powerful feeling for your staff to have. So uh, when you have a leadership, uh, team, And when you do realize that, you know, all the answers don't have to lie within you, then you're really creating that culture where everybody believes we can be great just based on our own merits. I really like that. Um, is there a particular, talking about leadership lessons and leadership styles, and, you know, I have things that I come back to a lot, the, the leadership thing. I, uh, people who listen to the podcast have heard me say a lot of times, I really believe when you have a problem to solve, if you can get the right people in the right time at the right place talking about the right thing, you can almost always solve that problem. It's just a matter of figuring out who the right people are and getting them together and kind of facilitating that conversation. So that's an example of a little less leadership lesson that I kind of try to live by. So my question is, are there particular is there a particular leadership style or a particular rule that you kind of find yourself gravitating toward or or using Often. Is there anything that jumps out at you that you're like, you know, this always comes up with me. I always try to do this, this, and this, or I always try to lead in this particular way?
1: So I would just go back to just saying the collaborative approach. Mm-hmm. Um, our theme at CDR is teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. And so we bring, you know, all members to the table and we always value their feedback. So um, I also believe in servant leadership. Yep. Um I see my position as an opportunity to serve my students and staff and families. Um, so I would say those would be the two, collaborative and servant. Good.
2: So for me at, at Paint Lake, um, I think just it, it, it's a lot of servant leadership. It is loving the people around you yep. um, and treating those people as valuable members of your team. And so, you know, I tell... I tell my teachers at Paint Lake all the time, it is my job to make your jobs easier because your jobs are the ones that have the direct impact and the most impact on students. And so for me, that's where I come from, you know, from my leadership standpoint. If there's something I can do to make their job easier or to make it to where they are more effective at their job, that's the angle I'm trying to constantly look at. Because as one person in the building, I don't have the direct you know, all day contact with those kids the way that they do. So they have the greatest opportunity to make an impact on their students. So it's my job to make sure that they have either the, what they need, the resources they need, the support they need um, to be able to do that. That's kind of where I have taken the approach with, with leadership.
0: And it's good too that modeling that whole servant leadership approach is really important for your teachers, for you to do for your teachers, because as they see you model that approach, uh, you know the the main thing is that our number one, if it's customer service, our customer customers are the kids. That's right. You know, and the as they say in business, the customer's always right. You know, <laughs> and so we want to cater to them. We want to meet their needs. We want to meet their families' needs, and the teachers are the uh, the front line of defense uh, to be able to do that. And then you, as the administrator, also need to view. Uh, the kids and their families as as the customers that you're uh, approaching with this servant leadership uh, way of thinking. But you also do have to take care of your teachers and your staff and their families as well. So you guys kind of have, you have at least two layers uh, that you're thinking about. But I think that modeling for them uh, is really important. Um, so in the intro, I talked about competition versus collaboration. And it, listeners, you can't see them smiling right now, but they're smiling and laughing because they know I'm getting ready to touch a, uh, I want to hit a touch point here. So, um, I'm really interested in this because I think in just about every realm of life, um, uh, where you're trying to succeed, there's the dynamic of competing and there are, there are positives to competing. We've explored that on the, on the podcast. I truly believe that, uh, however there's also the dynamic that we're better if we work together and so we also need to be able to cheer for each other and share ideas and and uh you know i think even in my personal life i have always tried to find that balance between competing and trying to be great at something myself but also balancing that out with helping others and sharing ideas with them and getting them to share ideas with me so that we can both achieve great things so in, talk about the comp- competition versus collaboration dynamic in your district, you all have two two of the three elementary schools in Garrett County. Um, I'm sure there's some healthy competition there, but how do you all how do you all manage that? How do you manage that dynamic, and how do you try to find that balance?
2: So I'm going to be a, a little biased and say that we do a really good job of it. Good. Um, so you know. Being being the the newer principal when I started, um, you know, Leslie and then the principal at the time at at Lancaster Elementary took me in, you know, whatever you need, it was we're in this together a lot of you know conversations happen about things that are going on our district has also made it a priority for our three elementaries to be on the same page you know with curriculum and with things that we are doing to because we all recognize we have one end goal and that's producing successful children you know at at the highest level and so we know that that is a singular focus that we all have now we, we just certainly have that healthy competition as well. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's certainly one of those things where if they're doing something and their scores are better, I want to know how because I want I want my scores to be I want to beat them I, I'm the competitive as they come um you know that that's been a big part of my life and um, so the, we definitely push ourselves but I think it's in a way that it pushes us to be better you know if Camp Vic um has something they're doing better and it's showing better results then that just pushes me to figure out what they're doing and how I can make that work in my school um but the collaboration for me has been huge because I've had such good support um I and only a administrator in my building I don't have an assistant so I have had to really rely on Leslie um, and and the other you know administrators in the district to to help me figure out things as I'm as I'm you know facing different challenges in in my first year so um, like I said I might be a little biased but I think I think we've got a good healthy dose of of both going on and, and figuring out how to make that line and balance work
1: we have open collaboration like this year we even had the high school teachers come down and observe teaching small groups at the elementary level. so we try to do that amongst the elementary schools and even with high school and middle school um, all of our principal team we work really well together and we love to share ideas and just very open about what's working and what's not Um, because again like Kia said the end goal is for us to produce successful students so um, any way that we can do that and improve, we want
0: to do that. Well, I think that's a great, that's a great way to look at it. And, I, of course, I know you all enough to know that you do have a good balance of that. On the podcast before when we talked about competition, we said competition is great as long as your intentions are pure. Mm-hmm. And in the school system, intentions being pure means we, you know, our number one goal is to do things that benefit our kids and our families. Like we're, we're trying to achieve at high levels. You know, whether it's test scores or whether it's, you know, career and technical education opportunities or what, whatever it is that we're trying to be great at. We're trying to do that, not for the score on the scoreboard, but because we know it benefits kids and their families. It, it allows them to be successful later on in their lives. So <clears throat> competition kind of innately has a pure intention. Uh, collaboration does. But when competition can also have that pure intention then I think that's when those two things work really well together, and you all described that well. Um, what are you learning about or working on right now? Do you have something that, you're, that you are kind of focused on, that you're learning, something you're trying to get better at, um, or something that you're just working on yourself?
1: So I just completed my doctorate um, in leadership. Congratulations. So I'm going to graduate next Saturday. So I'm excited about that. That's a three-year program. I should have said Dr. Leslie
0: Lawson. That's That's awesome.
1: (laughs) But um, so I've been really involved with um, the research on how physical activity impacts academics. Mm -hmm. So I've been collaborating with um, our PE teacher, and um, this year we were able to allow our students to visit the gym for 20 minutes of physical activity before their math class for fourth and fifth grade. So we've been able to to look at that and see how that's impacted the classroom. And we've had some really great results. So I am really involved in just learning more about how movement impacts the student all around. Um, And so that's been something new for me. And I've been reading a lot of books about that and researching within our school. So that's been fun.
0: That's awesome. You have to keep me posted on that. I'd I be will. interested to know how that all plays out. Yes. Yeah. Definitely a connection there though. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Kia?
2: So one of the things I've been kind of looking into more and trying to learn more about um, is providing um, effective feedback. Mm-hmm. Um and how to maximize the strengths of my staff. And so that's um, it's some work that we did previously um, in the district with the artisan teacher when I was the assistant principal at the middle school and um, really trying to – I'm revisiting some of those themes. And it's all about, you know, yes, you give them feedback for areas of improvement, but the research says that, you know, a teacher's um, potential for growth is when you focus on their strengths instead of their weaknesses. Weaknesses. Yeah. So I'm just trying to revisit some of, of that work and, you know, really figuring out how to provide the best feedback for my staff so that we are maximizing their strengths so we can see that growth, um, so that we can really push push our teachers to the next level so that ultimately, you know, if that has the, the best impact for our students.
0: Yeah, it's, that's always a, that's a little bit of a chicken or the egg argument, yes. you know. We all have strengths and weaknesses. mm mm-hmm. Are we better off to focus on our strengths and try to become as strong and great in those as we can Mm -hmm. and just manage our weaknesses? Are we better off to work on our weaknesses? And I think there's definitely a school of thought that it's better to focus on your strengths and be great at those and figure out how to manage your weaknesses or maybe balance yourself out with others. Maybe you can, if you're a teacher, maybe you've got a co-teacher who's strong in the areas that you're not as strong in. If you're a principal, maybe you can have an assistant principal who's strong in the areas that you're not as strong in. That's really interesting. You have to keep me posted on that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself right before you became a principal, what do you think you might say? Yourself back then.
2: I think the first thing I would say is keep a journal because <laughs> you're going to want to remember um, all of the things um, because people will not believe you if you don't if you do not write it down. I really wish uh, when I started, even as an assistant principal, that I had that I had just remembered to write the things down. Um, but I think it's just to for me it would be to appreciate the moment you're in because it's stressful and days are hard and days are long sometimes. But like, I think if I, instead of, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the next goal and the next thing we have to achieve and, oh, I've got to get this done, um, I, I think, I need to remind myself and I wish I would have really taken the time to think about it before um, about just being in that moment and yep. appreciating where you are and where you are at in that process. And it's fine if you're not where you want to be, but appreciate where you are and kind of appreciate that journey that you're on with your students, with your staff, with your families and, and, and just with myself in general.
0: So. Really good.
1: I really like that because uh-huh. it's like, take a moment just to take it all in Yep. and celebrate where you are and what you've done because that's, that's a really um, big thing that we try to do with our students is set goals and then celebrate when you've reached those. But um, it's important for us to remember that as adults too.
2: It is because um, it's always like, well, we've reached this goal, but now there's another one. So I think right. sometimes that's in right. education, we're always moving on to that next one. So, yeah.
1: But I would also um, tell myself to set boundaries. Yeah. Um, because when you're really passionate about something – um, you can quickly dedicate your whole life um, to it, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you have trouble with balance. Um, right. So, I think it's important to set boundaries um, and to ensure that all aspects of your life um, and your job are all, you know, being able to be covered. And one thing that I've always tried to go back to do is make sure that I'm spending time in the classrooms yeah. because that time is so valuable. Um, and as a leader, you can get very caught up in the day-to-day task. And before you know it, you're in your office or you're, you know, dealing with behavior or different things and you're not in the classrooms. And that's where it's important for you to be. So I would just tell myself to make sure that you set boundaries.
0: Yeah, it's really good. The, some of that, you know, we talked in the last episode about com- competition and leading as a competitive person. And some of those are the downfalls of competitive people. You know we just don't and i'm one of them i'm you know we're we try to remember to stop and help others celebrate but we don't stop often enough and uh you know i always use the analogy i grew up on a dairy farm we always we also raise tobacco and um in the fall we would cut tobacco and you would get in between two rows and you, you guys have seen that i'm sure before but uh It was also kind of an athletic competition because it took a lot of skill and some athleticism to be able to do that. And so when the person got in the row beside you, then it would become a competition for who was the fastest. And and even if you didn't have somebody beside you, if you're competitive, you're just trying to go as fast as you can. And every now and then, for whatever reason, you might have to stand up. And if you, when you stand up, there might be a cool breeze blowing. You know, when you'd stay, you were bent over, and, and it was 98 degrees, and you know, but you re, you didn't realize there was a breeze blowing until you raised up, and then you would think, gosh, I need to stand up and feel that breeze every now and then. And I, I just think as competitive people, metaphorically, we don't do that often enough. We don't stand up and feel that cool breeze and realize that things you know are going pretty well. And and I also want to reiterate, uh, Leslie, what you said about getting into classrooms. There is nothing more important as a principal than getting into classrooms. And for me, it was always my way to reset uh, and remember what my main job was. And, you know, there was never time spent. There were times that I got stuck in the office, and at the end of the day, I thought, you know, I wasted part of my day. I just got stuck in doing this thing that may impact kids and may not. But I never walked out of classrooms and felt like that that was ever time wasted. That was always time well spent for a lot of different reasons. And if nothing else, it just helped recalibrate my brain and help me remember what I was doing and why I was doing it. So glad you mentioned that. Um, so I said a minute ago, our listeners, we have a lot of principals who listen, but we do have some district administrators and others who listen as well. As a principal, what do you need? From your leaders, your administrators, who are at the district level, what do you? What kind of support do you need from them? Because that's good for our folks to hear as well.
2: Well, so for me, um, you know, and your wife has been a great support, I will say. Yeah, this um, is, this is not a trick question. <laughs> I know it's not. <laughs> I know it's not. No, um, Holly has been. Um, wonderful to work with and I think the reason that she has been so great and what she brought to me this year that I've not had in the past is support but it's the way that 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 the support is given it's being willing to go into classrooms for me Mm -hmm. to be a second set of eyes to look at the same thing I'm looking at and say help me figure out how to approach this you know help me figure out how to give some feedback Um, so it's somebody from the district that is willing to come to your building And be there with you Mm. to figure out whatever it is, whether it's a schedule, you know, looking at a a schedule, master schedule, and saying, can I make it better? Whether it is, hey, I need you to help me support this teacher because I need a second set of eyes, or can you help me figure out, you know, how to, um, you know, deal with a behavior situation or a, a kid, you know, whether that's your special education director from the district, just somebody who's willing to come to your building and be there with you. And help you be a, like a partner with you for me is what I need um, from from my, from the district Great. that's
1: exactly what I was gonna say Kia, is somebody that will walk the walk with you mm-hmm. that will be present in the building to know exactly that when you're talking about a situation or trying to work through something that they're there and they know because they've been there yeah so they understand all aspects because of that
0: yeah sometimes you get in uh, you know sometimes you get in tough spots and you just You just need that person to be a confidant or somebody to bounce ideas off of. But other times, you're not really in a tight spot. You're just trying to figure something out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it helps to have somebody who isn't there every day, who isn't totally inside your bubble, uh, but they're connected. And so they kind of know how the school works, and they know the families and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great point. Just, Just really being available to come in and walk alongside you and uh, help you in those tough times.
2: And well, and I think what you said about the perspective piece is important, too, because it is somebody that's not in your building, so that's not all they know. Yep. So it might be, you know, Holly, who goes to all three elementary schools, coming to me and saying, well, CDR tried this. Yeah. You know, I think that you could benefit from – you know, or like they, you know, Lancaster like Elementary has done something or just, or hey, when I worked at another school district even, you know, so it is just somebody that brings a fresh perspective to a situation or to, to your school that that's really been, um, I think, really helpful
0: for me. Good. All right, we're about to start to come down the home stretch here. Okay. Two questions. First one is, how do you, how do you define success Uh, And how do you know when you've reached it? We said a minute ago, we just keep plugging away at it, right? That's true. But but when you think about, you know, when when can I kind of stop and and celebrate a little bit, what are some things that you, uh, some goals that you kind of set for yourself that define success for you?
1: So... I just model that for myself even you know with our students we do that as well. So just setting defined goals so Mm -hmm. that you know this is exactly what my goal is and then once you've reached it not forgetting to celebrate that you have reached that goal. Mm -hmm. Um, You know like we said we're ones that want to just keep on moving on to the next thing but each year we do really try to set three big rocks for our schools Um, and we kind of lay out what that looks like and where we want to be along the way. so that we can make sure that that we try to meet that goal Um, this year we've worked really hard with the new reading series and so that's been um, something for us uh, across all elementaries but we've uh, we've incorporated that pretty well and we feel like we're excited about our summer work and ready to um, to move forward with that Um, our our second goal was family engagement at CDR and we've incorporated a lot of family nights um, and daytime activities as well so we feel like that we've accomplished that goal and then our th- third goal was growth mindset um, and we celebrate growth mindset at all of our um, assemblies and so we feel like that we've done a really good job of reaching those goals this year and so our leadership team will come back together and kind of think through um, what we want to do for next year um, but always just remembering to celebrate once you've reached them I think it's important
0: yep Okay.
2: So for me, as far as like knowing when like I define success, when the, the kids are successful and are happy and growing, um, but also when the staff are happy and successful and feel successful, because that's really important. Because, again, I go back to they're the ones that have the greatest impact on kids. Um, so for me, you know, our big thing this year was all about growth. Um, We knew we weren't where we wanted to be, and we knew that we may not get every kid where they need to be yet, but we are going to grow every kid. So we took on a lofty challenge, and, um, you know, I made it my um, professional growth goal that 100% of our kids were going to meet their growth goals this year Mm -hmm. because that's truly where we believe that we can be. So for me, if we are growing as a staff, but we are also growing with our students, then that's how I know I'm successful because we see that. That, that, that happening so it's a lot of that growth mindset um, and model like Leslie said modeling that for our students and our staff so that that's just a practice that's just who we are we're always growing
1: we've had a lot of discussions at the district level too about what a K through 12 experience looks like and so talked about what successful students are and so um, we've worked together to do that and so i think that's been a powerful conversation for us to have as a district um because we're looking at a child's whole educational experience and not just an elementary experience a middle school or a high school experience and so we want to see our students reach that that level and and be successful in life so
0: yeah there's a lot of leadership uh lessons in that there's beginning with the end in mind uh, knowing what you know, defining what we think success will look like when a student uh, doesn't just leave our elementary school and not our middle school, but when the student leaves our school district. You know, what do we want them to know and be able to do? And uh, interesting side point, whenever I have a group of people and we do the exercise about when kids leave your school district, what do you want them to know and be able to do? And they generate all those ideas and then present out. It's always like 95% things we want them to be able to do it's hardly ever things we want them to know. Mm-hmm. And that, that doesn't mean we don't want kids to know things. Con- content is important. But those skills, those things they need to be able to do, problem solve, think critically, collaborate with others, all those skills that we, you know, take initiative, all those things that we know successful adults do are the things that we want our kids to be able to do uh, when they leave us. So there's beginning with the end in mind. And then you both mentioned Uh, You didn't say continuous improvement, but you talked about growth, having a growth mindset, having a continuous improvement uh, mindset. And that's, you know, I think uh, a lot of times we get hung up on achievement. Um, And and achievement is a valuable piece of information as well. But when it comes to academics, there's achievement, but then there's also academic growth. And both of those kind of have a seat at the table in figuring out how to... um, kind of gauge uh, each one of those and value each one of those uh, in the way that it needs to be valued, I think is I think is a, a really important thing as well. So good ways to define success for sure. So as we wrap up, is there anything else uh, that either of you would like to share? Uh, any tips or guidance uh, for our listeners that you would like to throw out? I
1: would just like to share that it's always for me to remember to have fun with my students Mm -hmm. so um, we we love to to play music on Fridays to uh, welcome them when they walk in the door to um, you know tell them goodbye to have a great night when they leave Uh, So just constantly building that relationship with students and and always remembering to have fun because we want We want our schools to be a welcoming place where students want to come to learn so not to forget that point because sometimes we get so caught up in academics, but um, I Think our school our our students enjoy coming into the building and being there for learning.
0: Yeah, it's really good
2: Yeah, that is good Um, You know for me I think it's just a little bit back to my earlier point of just kind of living in the moment and appreciating the moment. Yep. Um, we do not do that in education because of the achievement goals and because of, you know, the expectations. And so we have to keep remembering that we are a part of powerful work. And that what we do matters and that what we do every day matters like every day you have an opportunity to have an impact on a kid and so on my tough days i'm I'm like leslie i go to a classroom and i remember why i'm doing what i'm doing and that this is the work that you know that it really does matter and so i think just whatever you've got to do whether it's visiting a classroom um you know i'll go hang out with our msd students in in the classroom and you know spend time there just remembering the joy of students and you know that we are here to to serve them um, and that if Whatever we do, you know, that, that's going to have a positive impact on our kids. And so I think um, even on the tough days, that, that's what gets you through. So
0: yeah, that's for me. Super important to remember that, you know, we are, uh, we're dealing, we are working to support and help every person's most precious thing that they have in their life, which is their child. Uh, so that's, gosh, that's such important work uh, to do. And then, in doing that, when we do it well, we can change the trajectory of a of a child's life. We can change the trajectory of generations of their family uh, to come. We can shape what a community looks like. Uh, I mean, we could be philosophical, but but really, I mean, the 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 ripple effect of what happens in each classroom, with each teacher, with each principal, with each child, uh, is is really something that's almost hard to wrap your mind around how important it is. And uh, and we need to be proud that we are, that we get to do that work. And uh, so I certainly appreciate both of you all and the work that you do. You've done a fantastic job on the podcast today. And I want to thank you again for joining.
1: Well, thanks for yeah, having thanks. us. for having us.
0: All right. So that's going to wrap up another episode of Advantage. Thanks again to our guests today. And thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. And we will see you next week with another episode. Take care.